shoot your shot. Hey, come on now, shoot your shot. Hey, come on, one, two, shoot your shot. Hey, come on now, shoot your shot. Shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot your shot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Shoot Your Shot podcast. My name is Espandi Arberhini, alongside my co-host Bradshaw Furlong, and we are welcoming back an illustrious guest, Iman, from the Dishes and Dimes podcast. Hello, Iman. How you doing? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Good, as always. Um, it, we're, we're here to talk about the Raptors, obviously, because, uh, you know, we're two Raptors fanatics here, and we got to gang up on Bradshaw whenever we get the chance. Um, realistically, it's, it's mm-hmm. going to be a, a good breakdown for you guys just to know everything, you know, that you could potentially expect from the Raptors when that season starts. Um, I, I want to do. I want to start off with some general NBA news, though. Obviously, just now we we heard that James Harden tested positive for COVID nineteen, and, and Russell Westbrook a little bit earlier in the day. Um, and we also found out that on July seventh, two NBA players tested positive before entering the bubble or after entering the bubble. I think they were in the bubble, but they hadn't left quarantine yet. Like they hadn't like right. actually left the rooms. I feel like they're being a little ambiguous with it, just to make it so that we don't figure out what player it really is. But, um, you know, guys, just another argument for why to cancel the season, really. <laughs> or or the story about Rashawn Holmes. Yeah. Like, man actually took Kelly Oubre's advice and went out to get food from Postmates. <laughs> like, it's clear that, like, we, we talked about it. We, we discussed this before. Like, you, some you can't trust certain players. Even Joel Embiid said he's, I can trust myself, but I can't trust other players. Yeah. And clearly you can't. Like, Rashawn Holmes, what are you doing? Uh, an allegedly a player invited an Instagram model to the bubble already. Like, well, like I don't like. No one is taking like clearly. No one's taking this seriously. Do you think that was Bruno? No but do you think that was, Do you think that was Bruno Caboclo? <laughs> no, but but like, hear me out here, because because literally right after, because the day we we found out the whole girl getting invited to a bubble yesterday, mm. and today Bruno broke quarantine. I I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know. Throwing it out there. Don't know. Bruno could be could be wheeling him. You never know, right? Right? I don't know, man. Don't know. He used to go to many bars and many clubs here in Toronto. My buddy, my buddy that I went to high school with has a picture of him because he went to a bar and he saw Bruno at the bar and he took a picture with him outside. I remember seeing Bruno, uh, Bruno and and Bebe actually parking their Range Rover going to the CNE. I remember that. Wow. I was a very. I was like, "Wow, that is that is good. Nice salary there. <laughs> nice Range Rover whipping and whipping." Um, okay. I was gonna say, if Bruno's flying anyone in, it's probably Baby. <laughs> where is Baby now? I just. Where is this guy? Probably in Europe. Is he? Is he playing ball in Europe? I, I haven't. I haven't caught up. I haven't caught up. Iman, Iman, do you know Bebe's where, whereabouts? I don't. I don't. I just know he's a, he's a bull. No, I don't know. No, I'm not going to get into politics. But uh, yeah, no, I have no idea where Bebe is. I hope he's doing well. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, well, since we've, uh, we, we last talked, we, we more so talked about predictions and, and breaking down, you know, what we expect from the entire league. I guess we can talk about the Toronto Raptors. Um, there, there's been a lot of discussion, I guess, just because everything's starting to ramp up and people are starting to see the practices and, and potentially what to expect. And a lot of people were talking about Gasol being left out or, or being left let out of practice early. I know today we saw that uh, Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka also did the same. I don't think there's any concerns when it comes to that. I mean, the, the Raptors are trying to ease things in, and I think that's the way to go about things. I'm also thinking 
they've had the most amount of time together out of everybody in the bubble because they've had a month uh, prior, I guess, to this or two weeks prior to everybody going to Orlando to be able to, you know, kind of get acclimated with one another. Do you do you guys think I'll go to you first, Iman? Do you, do you think there's an advantage there for for them getting there early and potentially having that? I guess I mean they always have chemistry, but just to get acclimated with one another again. I don't know. I don't know that it's an advantage, and I I I say that because the Raptors have like know each other. It's mm-hmm. not a new team that's come together. They've had that chemistry. They went on a they won a championship together last year. Yeah. Um. So that was just a reminder for you, Bradshaw. Uh, they won a championship <laughs> <laughs> last year. No. Um, but so, so I don't know that it's so much of an advantage. I honestly kind of see it as a little bit of, of a disadvantage because I imagine these guys are going to go stir crazy being in Orlando and being away from their families and being cut off from the rest of the world. And the Raptors just have two extra weeks. They have a little bit of a head start on going stir crazy and being sick of everyone they're around you know yeah no i watch enough big brother to know after a while (laughs) stuck in the same house with with the same people you start to go a little crazy yeah i could imagine i could imagine i mean look i i did like a i went and became a roommate with my best friend for two years and i hated him after two years i still (laughs) like him he's a cool guy but i hate him i hate him as well i hate your guts so i could understand why it'd be weird to be with your roommates for three months um, you already saw it a little bit. Like, wasn't Malcolm Miller complaining that someone was playing their music too loud a couple days ago? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's, he's already getting tired of players. 100% it was either Nick Nurse or Serge Ibaka, by the way. I don't see <laughs> Nick Nurse is strumming his guitar and Malcolm Miller telling him to shut up. <laughs> um, I, I think I somewhat agree with you there, Iman. I do think there are advantages to it in the sense of, like, getting back into shape. But the, the stir-crazy aspect of – like a guy like Pascal in terms of the advantage aspect, he didn't touch a basketball for a while. So getting him back in early mm-hmm. has helped in a sense, but yeah, you're right. The, the whole mental health aspect is such a huge, huge, Oh my God, huge aspect as well, because we don't really consider it. We don't really look at it. At, we, we kind of shrug it off and we, we kind of don't worry about it, but two or three months down the line, when these guys are, are kind of stuck in the bubble and they're getting the same food every day, and they're mm-hmm. starting to realize that it's it, it's getting annoying. It, it could bar, it could bother them, right? That, that's just it's it's crazy to me because Middle, Chris Middleton had the same thing where he told reporters that he hadn't touched a basketball in like two to three months. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy for me that guys like Chris Middleton and Pascal Siakam can go that long without like touching a basketball or like you know like they don't have anything set up in their houses or they don't have anything like nearby they can go to. That's so weird to me. I don't know if this was you, Iman, on the Dishes and Dimes pod, but I do remember someone saying it. I feel like Chris Middleton has no excuse because, bro, he's in Milwaukee. They got big houses out there. Pascal Siakam's probably. No, in the I was saying, of I, I kind of feel like they have an excuse. Like I was, I was basically saying, like I'll take all of the Chris Middleton slander all okay, the time. All right. Right. Um, but this is one where, like, I don't fault him. Like a lot of these guys don't live in big sprawling houses, even yeah. in Milwaukee. Like maybe he does. Like I don't know what his living arrangements are, but yeah. for the most part, and I don't even know if he stayed in Milwaukee during that entire time. Like I think he went. I think he went home. I don't think he stayed in Milwaukee. I think he yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So like, right. they probably just don't have basketball courts like I think if you're like the Chris Pauls and like you know Kyle Lowry those guys have basketball courts in their homes but like Pascal was stuck in a condo in Toronto like what was he gonna do yeah even even Fred Van Vliet who went back home I I know that he had to get arrangements for like individual workouts in different gyms 
versus there, he doesn't he doesn't have a basketball court at home. He had like a, a garage setup type thing that he used to use for working out. Um, so I feel like a lot of guys are going to come back rusty. But mm-hmm. um, do you think – I mean, the rust is definitely going to be a factor for every team. I don't know if the Raptors are necessarily necessarily going to be hurt more or less than anybody when it comes to rust. But I think that also gives an opportunity for a guy like Nick Nurse to test out other things and try different things to see if they work. You br- you're bringing 17 guys here. He's probably going to end up playing all 17 guys at some point in those scrimmages in those eight games. Um, I want to ask you guys in terms of rotation, right? Yeah. We know the starting five. Those guys are, are, are locked in. Serge is locked in. Um, I, Fred Van Vliet, obviously, and Norman Powell are locked in, whichever one you want to start. And um, I think that's it. You've got your top seven. After that, it's kind of up in the air. So after those seven guys, who, who do you say is the most deserving to get into that rotation? Yeah, it's a tough one. They have some not maybe not most deserving, but I'd like to see Rondé Hollis Jefferson get minutes. Yeah. Like okay. even like I'm not as a Raptors, but I'd like to see like when I did watch a lot of Raptors games, he really impressed me. Like you never really quite knew what position he was playing, but he just worked hard wherever he was playing. It was great to watch. I, th- I think you know maybe not the most deserving of more minutes, but I think he's definitely an interesting piece for the Raptors and like how they can position him, especially when teams go to their bench or even just when the Raptors have to go to their bench, who he can match up against on opposing teams. It seemed like he held his own against basically anybody they put him up against. Supposedly the most versatile defender of the season. That's what I heard on the, the low post, which is just awesome. I guess he can. Oh, that's a really cool way of putting it. That's exactly who I was going to say as well. And, you know, to your point about how rusty this team is, maybe the Raptors have a bit of an advantage um, because those seven guys that you were naming have been in and out of the lineup so much, they've had to go extended periods of time without playing basketball and then get thrown right back. Sure. So maybe that was a little bit of prep heading in, heading into this weird bubble situation. Um, but yeah, no, I would agree with Rondé, and just because of his versatility defensively, the Raptors are going to be regard like you know if you go up against a Boston Celtics, for example, you're going up against a lot of bigger wings, yeah. and the Raptors are going to need a guy of Rondé's size to really go up against them. Kyle and Fred is the smallest backcourt in the league. <laughs> so, so just having someone like Rondé who can, who can really guard any position, like, like you were saying, Brad, when he goes out there, you don't really know what he is. He's kind of a plug-and-play guy. Um, so it'd be, he, he's my number one. Okay. All right. He's like a safety. It, it, it's in yeah. football. Like he just, you kind of throw him out there and whatever he does, he's just trying to make an impact. He's, he's, it's like what we expected Damari Carroll was supposed to be, by the way. That, I, for, I a lot, that's... for a lot cheaper, too. A lot cheaper. <laughs> a lot cheaper. Yeah. I'll uh, say, like, I, you know what? To Damari, it wasn't his fault he was stuck on a team with Damar. <laughs> oh, yes! I like that. <laughs> okay. I like that. It's not, it was not his fault. <laughs> he, he came in thinking the system was going to be a lot, a lot like that Hawks team, yeah. um, and it turned to be, you know, a lot of... I'll go back to what you were saying about the, the short guards, by the way, Fred and Kyle, like this, despite them being short, they can hold their own. Like they're, Absolutely. they're really, really versatile defenders. And like they, they, I think the points per post possession, whatever the, the, the stat was there that I was reading earlier, it's that they, they really know how to guard in the post. They're, they're both really, really good post defenders for their size. Um, I, I think that's I was just a flat out great post defender, regardless of size. Like no. I would like, we saw game seven, fourth quarter, final minutes, Joel Embiid 
turn the ball over against Kyle Lowry in the post. Like, yeah. that's one of the best post players in the NBA and versus a guy who was a foot shorter than him. Kyle's just a flat-out great post player and um, or defender, I should say. And Fred is is obviously not as great as Kyle just because he's a little bit more movable, but yeah. he's still really, really, really good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I'll, I'll add one more guy in there that I think may be deserving just because of uh, the season he's been having, and that's probably Terrence Davis. Because yeah, I, I, oh, yeah. I, I don't want – I don't know if people are going to hate me for this. I don't want any more Patrick McCall minutes. I was about to – I was literally going to say, like, I, I think you guys would prefer Ronda Ellis Jefferson and Terrence Davis over Patrick McCall. I, just, I don't think it's going to happen. Nick Nurse seems to really, really like Patrick McCaw, and I get. I have a theory. I have a theory about Patrick McCaw. Okay, let let us hear that. So Nick Nurse is an evil genius. We saw this last year during the regular season. He would play a bunch of lineups that would drive us all insane. Right. Um, and then come playoff time, you were like, "Oh, I see what he was getting to." So my theory is, he's really testing the Raptors' strength, playing four on five every game <laughs> by throwing like. 15 minutes for Patrick McCall. He's, he's really just like, what can you guys do right now um, with, with your hand side behind your backs? And um, they've done pretty well. I actually, I, I think I like that theory the most, to be honest. It, hey, by the way, like it, on top of all that, Siakam hasn't really like, he's, he's tried to make it hard on Siakam yeah. just by not giving him easy types of buckets, not making him the pick and roll guy that he could be, right? Um, it, it's funny because you don't see the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Kyle Lowry Siakam pick and roll as much as you did in the regular season, but you expect to see it a lot more in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, so you're right. Maybe it is, maybe it is a whole mind trick thing. It is. It is. Yeah. He's definitely been putting Siakam in, in, in a position to really struggle, which is what's getting Siakam over the hump. Yeah. 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 Uh, interesting. All right. Well, we'll see. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe we see no more McCaw, but if we do, I'd like to see Terrence Davis slide in there. I, I, he deserves it, man. Look, look, look at the type of season he's been having. <clears throat> the Raptors need his shooting. Like, it's not even just so much, like, giving him the opportunity as much as he's a valuable player and the Raptors could really use him. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick McCall's not spacing the floor. He's uh, – this does not exist on offense. It could, it could also solve a lot of their half-court issues, which is, which is something I'll get into now. A lot of people have been talking about it. Um, you know, the, the half-court offense being stagnant for the Raptors and, and being ranked uh, outside of the top 10, which is usually not championship material. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the fact that that's something crazy to worry about because of how injured the Raptors have been. And if you look at the different types of plays that the Raptors run, one of their favorite things to do is have either Gasol or Ibaka at the top of the key and use them as the facilitators for, for backdoor cuts for a guy like OG, Norm, even Kyle at sometimes, they, they, they use that tons throughout throughout the regular season. Not having Gasol as much and not having Ibaka as much, it, it, it honestly felt like you 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 were either you either had Ibaka or you either had Gasol throughout the regular season. And not having both of those guys really hurt the half court offense. That's just my opinion. But Iman, what did you think? Do you think that's that's overblown or it's it's an issue people have to consider? I <sighs> I mean, to your point, yeah, like the Raptors had, I think, were the best three-point shooting team, and their offensive efficiency was, I, I don't remember where they finished when Gasol was traded to the Raptors. Like, they became just yeah. a ridiculously great three-point shooter, uh, three-point shooting team, and it's not so much that Gasol 
was taking and making a lot of threes, it was that playmaking that you were referring to. Just having a guy who can, one, space the floor, but can also playmake from that far out really does open up the team's offense so much. So losing Marcus Gasol is definitely a big one. But, and, you know, I, I did just take a dig at DeMar earlier, but I, I do think DeMar and Kawhi are these wing creators that you need in the playoffs. Like, for as much as DeMar DeRozan has maybe hurt this Raptors team in the playoffs, you need his creation. Um, you need a wing score. Uh, the game slows down. You're not going to get as many transition buckets. And I think one of the reasons that the Raptors really beat the Bucks last year, one thing that I was really surprised by was when the game slowed down and the Bucks weren't scoring in transition, their half-court offense did not look pretty. Right. And I really worry about the same thing with the Raptors when Pascal is your main scorer, like what the Bucks saw, because Giannis is, is their main scorer, and he just – he's – his game was not at that level last year. Um, and Chris Middleton in, in was nowhere to be found, but <laughs> it's besides the point. <laughs> but so I really worry about the Raptors not really having that guy. And I don't know, maybe Norman Powell can be that guy for the team. Um, so I, I don't think the worries over the half court offense is overblown, but I maybe don't think they're as bad as we all think they are because to your point, they've been injured so much. So I think both are true in that sense. Brad, did you did you feel that same way um, last year, facing watching the Raps versus the Bucks? Yeah, like I mean, there was it was obvious that like they couldn't create a ton of, like in the half court because Giannis was getting shut down a little bit by Kawhi and Middleton after guarding Kawhi at the other end, yeah. coming back at the other end, a little, like little exhausted. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm I'm much more I'm I'm a big Chris Middleton fan, so I'm not going to slander Chris Middleton at all, but. <laughs> Um, I mean, and then obviously Eric Bledsoe couldn't do a damn thing offensively to save his life uh, in the postseason. So, yeah, like I, you, you definitely felt that when they, if they couldn't get a, a transition bucket, it was very hard for them to score in the half court. And to Amon's point, like like she said, having that wing creator like Kawhi and not having him this year is going to be a huge, huge loss. I think you saw it during the regular season. Not having that guy that could safely get a bucket from from the wing is a huge is huge. So. I, yeah, I, I don't think that I don't think it's overblown necessarily, but I do see your I do take your point that they were obviously very injured throughout the majority of the regular season, so that obviously had a big effect on it. They didn't quite have the full multitude of players they would have liked to have in that late in those late game scenarios all the time. Yeah, that's that's totally fair, I, I, and I see it too. Like, I mean, the the numbers don't necessarily lie, right? So it's it's there for you to observe. Um, that's why I think the number one X factor going forward in the playoffs for these guys is Norman Powell. And you, and Iman, you brought it up. He, he had an amazing season. I mean, regardless of injuries, he, if he were to stay healthy, he could be a dark horse six man of the year candidate. Um, I, I love the way he became just confident in his ability to, he, he did the rip through dunks so many times, uh, not only in the fast break, but in the half court as well. He, his shot seemed like every time he was about to shoot it, it was about to go in. He was, he was a really, really efficient shooter. He just seemed a lot more confident this year, right? He seemed way more confident in his game, and that was such a huge step for Norman Powell was consistency and confidence. And this time, every time he stepped on the court this regular season, he was both consistent and confident. So if they can get that Norman Powell for the playoffs, I feel like some of those half-court issues are alleviated and he could potentially be the X factor. If you guys had to pick an X factor, I mean, you could pick Norm as well. Who would your X factor be for the Raps? I feel like he's not so much an X factor, but like so important. I think it has to be Pascal Siakam. 
Like, he's so important for their offense, whether it's in transition or in the half court, that I think you have – like, if he's not scoring at, like, an effective level in the half court, then it's going to be a struggle to get a bucket. Like, Kyle Lowry is a great off-the-dribble shooter. We know that. But he can only do so much. Fred VanVleet can only do so much. You need that wing score, and if it can't be Pascal Siakam, I don't see a guy on the Raptors who can consistently create his own offense like that. I'm going to go a different route than you guys, and I'm going to say it's got to be the big men. And I'm looking at Marcus Holt. Marcus Holt, to me, is he not only, you know, everyone's been talking about him being the team's best defender. The Raptors just are an incredibly great defensive team. And I think it was Zach Lowe who brought it up first, where, you know, he pulled a bunch of people. And they said that Mark was probably still the team's best defender. But more than that, I just talked about how important he is to this team's offense. We were just talking about how important he is to this team's offense. And when you look at who the Raptors can match up against in the playoffs, if you're looking at that Celtics series, where yeah. their thinnest is the bigs. Yeah. And you need to have bigs like you, you like that pick and pop game with Serge Ibaka. He's going to be absolutely massive in that series if the Raptors are going to advance. And then, of course, Marcus Gasol was traded to the Raptors specifically for a Bucks matchup. Like, that's why he is a Toronto Raptor. And so, um, to me, Mark is, is far and away the most important or the biggest X factor, I should say, for this team in the playoffs. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, too. Um, I, I think all Raptors fans are scheduling in that Celtics game that is in the eight games that we play because mm. – that's probably the most important out of all of them because that elite, like, you know, the tiebreaker. And I think conference wise, the Raptors have the advantage there. So they would have the second seed if they were to win and they'd have more position, right? It, it makes more sense. I don't think the Raptors necessarily care as much about seeding. Um, mm-hmm. But regardless, I think it's an important game to see where you kind of, where you're at in terms of all, everything, fitness level, uh, who is playing the best, who makes the most sense in terms of lineups and rotations. Um, Let's let's dive into it then. Let's let's dive into potential playoff series. I'm just gonna skip the first round and, and uh, because we're we're just gonna we're gonna jump right over that. We're gonna skip over another potential DJ Augustine game. I'll stop. Listen, I'm not gonna have a game one loss. Also, I feel like the game one loss only applies if the Raptors are at Scotiabank Arena. So I think okay. they can they can skip they can skip this one this time. Huh? Okay. Maybe? No. Well, they lost game. I mean, I don't want to bring up the series, but they lost game one against the Bucks. Well. Uh, you can bring up game two, and then the rest of the series doesn't matter. But they lost game one in that series, too. So Get out of here, man. Get out of here. <laughs> the rest of the doesn't, again, the rest of the series doesn't matter. <laughs> so so you're, you're more into uh, finishing the series off after two games? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. If you win the first two games, like, the, the numbers show that you win the Majusa series. <laughs> the so you just love how, um, the rest of it. I love how Fred Van Vliet has been called the outlier when it's like, does anyone remember Brook Lopez's game one? Like, is that not the outlier shooting performance? Right. Yeah. 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 Oh my. Pointing to other things. Yeah. He was using the lights out in that game. Yeah. The Raptors should have won that game is what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) Well, game two, game two was, uh, I think game two was Gasol's fault just because he got us off to such a bad start. I remember it. Yeah, well, you should probably just keep it away from me, Mary. Anyways, it's not a good time to. <laughs> um, let's 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 go into the Raptors Boston series. You know, Toronto Boston is is something a lot of Raptors fans and I'm sure a lot of Celtics fans have been waiting for for a long time. Um, Brad, you're kind of impartial here, so I'll, I'll let you go first. I, I, I want I want to talk about Siakam versus Tatum because that that seems like the conversation. Two two young guys who are, you know, budding superstars in a sense, and everybody. In a sense, on Twitter, leans towards Tatum 
uh, because of the potential there for him to be the superstar. I don't know if you saw the the post of the score that had uh, they had Kawhi, LeBron, who else was it? Giannis, and then Tatum, and they were all going to Disney World. And, and oh yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. hey man, hey, what's going on here? What, what, also, it's, the it's the score. You're in Toronto. Come on. Right. Yeah, I feel like they did it on purpose a little bit. But anyway, um, where do you who do you think the best player on the court is? in a Raptors versus Celtics series. I'm giving it to you because me and Amon are going to answer completely differently. <laughs> Go ahead first. That's so tough for me. Like, I like – obviously, I've come around a lot on Jason Tatum, especially, like, in the second half of the season. I thought he took a lot of steps that I really wanted to see in terms of, like, his shot selection. He still took some, like, weird, like, mid-range jumpers that he didn't need to take or he wouldn't pass the ball when he had to. But that's a part of that's the progression of a young player is, you know, learning when to pass and when not to pass and all that. Mm-hmm. And obviously with Pascal Siakam, you guys know, you watch the games. He struggled a little bit being the number one option for the first time in his career. Understandably, that's going to happen. Like, he's not going to step in and be a, like an elite scorer right away in his first time being a number one option. I, I think I still lean a bit towards Pascal Siakam because I like his versatility defensively. I like that you can use him in a multitude of ways on ball and off ball to be a great defender. Uh, Jason Tatum obviously took a step this year to become a better on-ball defender, but he never really had the number one assignment on the Celtics because he didn't need to. He had Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown on the same team as you. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be guarding the number one player on that team, on the other team. But I think I trust right now, if I in the series right now, I think I would take Pascal Siakam just because I don't know if what we saw from Jason Tatum in February is like a sign of what he – is a sign of like what's to come – in the playoffs this restart, I guess. Right. I, I don't know how much you can trust it. So I think le- I'm leaning right now towards Pascal Siak because we've seen him do it before. Okay. All right. Iman, I'll, I'll let you uh, – I mean, you kind of – you kind of, Brad, you kind of went with us here. I, I thought you were – I know you were hoping I was going to say Jason. <laughs> Maybe I should have said Jalen Brown. <laughs> Iman, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you go for it as well. Um, yeah, no, I agree with everything he said. For me, I, I also edged – towards Pascal Siakam and I think it's just because we've seen it for a little bit longer it's kind of you know uh, Jason Tatum's a really great player and I don't want to take anything away from him by making this comparison but we're going off of like a really hot stretch that was kind of followed up with the Celtics not being really great to close off the year like the last five or six games they kind of hit a little bit of a skid that I think people forget um and to me, it's like he was really, really great. And we saw what his potential could be. But in the same way that I look at Norman Powell, which is why I say I don't want to be disrespectful, Jason Tatum's, I'm not comparing them as players at all. But in the same way that I look at Norman Powell and I say, well, that's a small sample size. I need to see it for longer before I can call you a better player than someone I've seen it from is, is exactly my feelings towards Jason Tatum. It's like, okay, well then show me this for more and then I can place you higher than, than Pascal Siakam. But for right now, it's not there. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with both you guys. I mean, like, it, realistically, I value experience a little bit more. I know Tatum has experience in the playoffs as well, but he just hasn't performed. That was a terrible East. Yeah, I know. It, it, <laughs> it doesn't really count when you're you're literally going through garbage teams. I, anyways, I, I, I do think, like, it, it doesn't – it goes to show you how good of a playoff um, – I guess, run Siakam had last year with Kawhi when they were one of the, if not, I think the most 
playoff points ever in NBA history tied with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. That's just, that's, that's, that's a pretty crazy stat to have regardless of who you're playing with. I know Kawhi had a crazy run, but that just goes to show you how great Siakam was as well. And in that finals, Siakam averaged around 19 points, 18, 19 points. Yep. And he went up against Draymond and he like, he like was being guarded, not by it. It was like from, from the first round, we're talking about the first round, not really mattering, but Jonathan Isaac is one of the premier defenders in the league. So right away, Pascal Siakam, you know, he had Joel Embiid in, in the Sixer series, right from the jump, he was going up against defensive player of the year candidates. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Tough matchups make, uh, make, make for a really good player. And I think he has the experience to, to be able to learn from those. I also, I'm just excited to see, Siakam get a little bit more run in terms of access to different things on the offensive end. I do feel like Nick Nurse held, held, him, held him back a little bit because he wanted to, I guess, test him, challenge him a little bit more throughout the regular season. And I do expect that to be a little bit alleviated throughout the playoffs. I don't know how much they're going to do that. I don't know what the difference maker is really going to be, but I do think that's going to be a big factor moving forward. Um, so, so I think we can all agree I would favor the Raptors in a series. Um, would you guys also be in that same direction? It's close. It's close, it's by the way. It's so close for me that I'd almost want to do, like, not like in a – what's the betting term? Like a push? Pick them? Pick them. I think it's pick them. Pick them, yeah. Or whatever it is. I'm not the betting guy. Um, like, I almost want to put it as, like, even because like, I don't know between these two teams. They both have very similar – not similar strengths and weaknesses, but they both have, like, they're, like their strengths are kind of, like, at the same level, I don't, a weird way to phrase this, but yeah, they're I, I I find them so so similar in terms of like their skill level, their overall team skill level, basically is what I'm trying to say. I think. Yeah. I I actually you know so I asked this question earlier today, um, and that was what side of the bracket would the Sixers rather be on, and that's the my like going up against Miami in the first round and Milwaukee in the second round or. Boston in the first round and Toronto in the second round. And I don't necessarily see why the Sixers won't look at that and say, why don't I stay in that six spot? And if that's the case and Boston does go up against (laughs) the Sixers in the first round, if they do become the three seed, I do think that that benefits the Raptors quite a bit um, in a potential, in a potential series. So I don't know that it's, with, with honestly like obviously with Oladipo hurt we're all kind of thinking that the Pacers are the ones who fall out but I don't necessarily see a reason for the Sixers to gun and right now they are tied with the Pacers in record and have that six seed so I guess Pacers have tiebreaker well um, uh, they actually they, I just saw like maybe 10 minutes yeah yeah is it that oh. Oladipo might play there's oh. a form too so that's yeah, like the whole... apparently like looked really good in practice which well, uh, was off what I was saying in our previous podcast about how I like the Pacers now because they played really well without Oladipo and they look really yeah. bad with Oladipo. Yeah. So kind of throws off what I was saying there, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if they get like a little bit of a training camp with Oladipo in, like I think part yeah. of it was just like trying to, they were on this sort of run and you have, you have to sort of fit him and, and Brogdon together. Um, so, so, but you know, look, if, if it is the Raptors and the Celtics in the second round, To me, once again, that goes to the Raptors' bigs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if the Raptors – if Sergi Baca and Marcus Gasol have the series that I believe that they're capable of having, um, because we've seen Sergi Baca step up time and again in the playoffs outside of his first year here. We're going to disregard that series. Um, 
and and we've you know we've seen the value that Marcus will brings to this team when healthy. I kind of it's hard. Like I'm I'm not going to say that it's going to be an easy series. I lean towards the Raptors, and the thing that scares me the most about the Celtics though is they have. Like I said, they've got a lot of sort of big wings, but they've got four guys who can average 20 points a game. And when you're talking about the Raptors not really being able to score in the half court, when the Celtics have that much firepower, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, and Kemba Walker, although I guess Kemba has like knee issues and there could be some sort of, there could be something wrong with him. When you have guys, four guys that can do that on a team, that's a very scary team. Having said that, I would still pick the Raptors in six. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I, I actually, I, I think, you know, we've seen all this stuff about Marc Gasol and obviously they're, they're trying to make sure that he stays healthy. You know, he had that hamstring injury twice during the regular season, but if he, you know, with, with his, with all his lost weight is even 75% at where he was with the Grizzlies, you know, like all-star defensive player of the year, Marc Gasol, if we even get 75% of that, he would dominate against Daniel Tice. I, I, I don't. I mean, Daniel Tice is a is a good defender. He can do a lot for the Celtics. I just don't think Gasol has any remorse for a guy like Daniel Tice because but also he, their surge. Like what? What? Yeah. Even, like, even yeah. if Tice is like okay, let's say he holds his own, which I don't think he will against a guy like Marcus Gasol. Well, what are they going to do? Play Cantor as the backup big? Like what? What do they do to stop? So that's why I think like Serge Ibaka and and Marcus Gasol together can really just destroy the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, that's where the, uh, by the way, to the, to the whole Sixers point, I think the Sixers would favor um, Milwaukee and Miami, right? Because yeah. of the matchup with Embiid and they could, they just match yeah, up. Yeah, no, definitely. I just, yeah, I can definitely see that. Like to me, it, it's just, it's more, yeah, I can definitely see the Sixers favoring that because they kind of, they look good against Milwaukee, but it's also like, don't you want to avoid the best team yeah. until, until the very end? And I'll say to, to the Celtics point, the Raptors, so Jackson McMullen said this, and I, I'm pretty sure I brought this up on the last podcast we did, where she asked Jason Tatum, who guards you the best in the entire league? And he said, it's not a single person, it's a team, it's the Toronto Raptors. They just have so many defenders they can throw at me, they do so many different things, and we've seen the Raptors do that um, time and time again, not just to Jason Tatum, but you know, you can talk about Harden's terrible game, or LeBron James, or Kawhi Leonard, all these guys have their like lowest scoring games against the Raptors because of what they're able to do defensively, and no one on the Celtics can do that to Pascal Siakam. And that's kind of the difference, is they don't have anyone who can actually guard him. It's. It, I think outside yeah, so. of the Buck series, like a. Sorry, go ahead, Iman. No, I said well, because <laughs> no. like you know, Marcus Smart is my favorite non-raptor, but he's just <laughs> he's not gonna be able to do it. Ooh, okay. So so Marcus Smart is your favorite Celtic. Yeah, he's he's one of my favorite. So my favorite players, if I just start listing them off, are all just gonna sound like Kyle Lowry. <laughs> it's just me finding Kyle Lowry and other people. <laughs> yes, Chris Paul is in there. Chris Paul is one of my favorite. Yep, yep. Uh, Jim Butler is, is my is one of my wing favorites. Although he's not a great shooter, Marcus Smart isn't either. So I don't know why I'm listing them as Lowry. Lowry's just better than them because he can also he's got the three. <laughs> oh man, I, I think that'd be a good pot in itself. Just guessing Mon's favorite players based off. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely like Marcus Smart. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think uh, you know, outside of a of a Boston Toronto series, the other series that everybody is hoping that the Raptors get into is the one with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, 
we don't have to we don't have to touch on it a lot because we did touch on it a lot in the last podcast that we did all, all together. But I think if the Raptors get to that point and they get to an Eastern Conference Finals matchup, I I'm more on the side of it's up in the air versus it's it's a it's a heavily favorited Bucks team. I do understand why a lot of people would say that the Bucks are heavily favorited, and you know they they they've been a dominant team. They they're literally unstoppable, and they've been. Yeah, they've been unstoppable. No, semi-stoppable. They slowed down near the end. Well, I mean, Giannis, second half, the second half of the season, their offense kind of went to the tank. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, well. How about go go for it then? Like, do you think in a in a series versus the Raptors, are you? Is there any glaring issue that you think the Bucks have against a team like Toronto? Like, like, like the, that the Raptors like present like like an issue. The Raptors yeah, uh, present. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I can't use like Eric Bledsoe just falling off the face of the earth. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of an issue the Raptors present to, but you know. No, yeah. but he did that against pretty much everybody, not named the <laughs> Celtics. Essentially, he did. He played well against the Celtics for a bit, and he played well against the Pistons, but that wasn't a playoff team. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you you could do that if you want, but go. No, for that's it. not that's not the prime. That's not the primary. He might not even be. He's not even there yet. So we can't even. I can't even bring up Eric Bledsoe. I think uh, one of the main issues is just the way they can defend Chris Middleton in particular, not just Giannis, but the way they can defend Chris Middleton and who they can throw at him. Because if you want to throw – like, obviously, I think the obvious answer for Giannis is going to be put OG and OB on him because mm-hmm. he's the next closest body they had to Kawhi Leonard on the team. Yeah. I think people want to think that – I think people like to think that Pascal Siakam can guard Giannis, but I think he's shown nope. in his career that he can't do it effectively because yeah. he just doesn't have the, the strength that Giannis has. Yeah. But – off so ball, I could see like off ball as a help defender, but not yeah. straight. On not ball. on ball, no, because yeah. he, he just he'll bully his way to the rim again. Because so, yeah. again, he's just not like no no knock against Siakam. He's just not as big as Giannis. He's not as strong as Giannis. Um, but no, I, I think the most I think the most intriguing thing is how they'll defend Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton has obviously taken a big step this year, not just his off ball his off ball play, but his on ball play and creating his own shot. Something people knock him for, but he's like shown this season that he can get his shot off effectively against a lot of different defenders, especially when teams kind of try to give him a smaller defender and try to, like, not hide, but, like, if they want to throw Marcus Smart on him or someone, like, a little smaller than him, he's shown that he can shoot – he's had a willingness and aggression to shoot over that. So it'll be interesting to see who they use against Chris Middleton in the playoffs to neutralize him when, you know, if OG's doing a really good job against Giannis and they try to go more towards Middleton, who is going to be the guy to try and slow Chris Middleton down? And I think they have a lot of interesting bodies like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Terrence Davis, Kyle Lowry, even if you want, you know, if they're going to put it, if um, Middleton tries to post it up at all. So yeah, I think yeah. they have a lot of interesting bodies they can throw at Chris Middleton. And I think for me, that's probably the most intriguing thing the, uh, about the Raptors in the Raptors Bucks series from that aspect and what the Raptors can do against the Bucks. Iman, as, uh, as the days have gone by, have you become more skeptical and more, ho- more hopeful about a Raptors Bucks series? Um, I, I probably about the same. I, I mean, I, I agree that that guarding Chris Middleton is kind of is is going to be the big thing. And honestly, thinking back to last year's playoffs, which was what I was doing a lot, you know, Kyle Kyle saw a lot of time on Chris, and I kind of my fear about Kyle Lowry and guarding both JJ Redick and Chris Middleton was just that they'd be able to shoot right over him. Like that was kind of my whole thing going over it. Um, but that didn't happen very much. Um, and you know, yes, Chris has taken like steps in his game, and I, I do think, you know, they give him a little bit of credit. 
<laughs> uh, that that's going to be an issue that the Raptors do have. I do, however, see them throwing a smaller guy on Chris Middleton. I think that's what the what they're going to do. And like you mentioned, the Raptors guards do play above their head. They do play bigger than themselves, I should say. Um, so, so that's one. But you know, the Bucks should be heavily favored in the series. But last year, the Bucks were heavily favored in the series, and that doesn't really. So, like to me, I'm not so much worried about that. There were literal calls for the Bucks sweeping the Raptors last year, so uh, I'm not. I'm not too like. I would still pick the Bucks. I think like you should be picking the Bucks in the series. But as a Raptor fan, I'm not going to do it because I do think they have a chance, and so I'm going to hold on to that chance and say Raptors win. Um, but but yeah, like I, I just. It, it's going to be a difficult series. Can the Raptors do it? Yeah, I think they can, but I don't think they should be favored in a series against the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, no, I, I didn't I think so just quickly. Like, I don't think they should. I don't think the Bucks should be heavily favored in the series. Like I, I'd say they would probably be the favorites, but I wouldn't be like, oh, they're gonna like blow the blow the Raptors out in like four or five games. Like, I, I would definitely agree that it would be a very competitive series. And, like they're probably them are like. If Miami catches fire, those are like the two teams that really like yeah. worry me the most in the Eastern Conference for different reasons, obviously. But uh, yeah, like I definitely think it'd be a very close series. I don't think the Bucks would be a heavy favorite by any means, but I mean, based on the season they had, I, I understand them being favorites. Though, I guess I know the regular season isn't really important, but the but the regular season games the Raptors and Bucks played this season were just ugly on yeah. the Raptors' end. It was just not fun to watch. And, um, you know, the Raptors had some clear struggles offensively as well. Like, they just – they couldn't buy a bucket. The, Ra- the Bucks obviously force above the break threes, and the Raptors aren't necessarily good at pull-up jumpers like that, which is why I think, you know, a, a, a Norman Powell, a Terrence Davis, those guys can potentially be X-Factors. That's why a Fred yeah. Van Vliet and a Norman Powell were X-Factors last year, right? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think all of our picks right now, like all of our picks before for the Raptors – x-factors are going to be x-factors in this series like you need norman powell because fred van vliet saw a lopez brother at the rim and was like not going anywhere near like if you look back to the raptors matchups against the bucks they were just like nope yeah. um and i think norm is just more fearless i think he you know and terrence davis just like being young and dumb makes him fearless and i think he would go up against that whereas fred van vliet and lowry were really reluctant to get to get to the rim and they're not great cutters like you want a guy like norm you want a guy like terrence davis two guys who are constantly moving um fred van vliet is going to be huge just because of his shooting one more time but i think marcus soul and and pascal siakam are the two x like you need them to be on their game if you're going to win this series those three are probably your main yeah 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 i'll uh, I'll, fi- I'll finish it off with this just just a general remark you know um I, we were we were talking about it, and Iman, you were on the pod for this too. We were talking about how sports can be a distraction. Um, it has absolutely been a distraction. The content that we've seen has consumed the timeline. Um, you know, there's no real discussion in terms of social justice anymore, uh, and I think that's that's obviously a glaring issue. Maybe when the games start and the players start to shift their focus towards the games, and you know, the court and the messages on the jerseys, that may change. But I don't I don't know if it is. Are you guys? more or less excited now about basketball with, you know, scrimmages being eight, nine days away. Iman, I'll let you go first. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, I, am. I like it. I was, you know, I was one of the people who were like, you know, what if sports is a distraction and we're not as committed to this as we, as we think we are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I spent a lot of time guessing with people who were trying to fly a Twitter woman out <laughs> to go to the bubble. Like, you know, so forget about the actual basketball of it all. Yeah. This is just. Oh. Come on, you cut off. What'd you say? I can edit this out. Just can you hear me now? Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah, there we go. We can hear you now. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I don't even know where I left off. I just you can go to the next one. I apologize about that. I'm not sure what happened there. Twitter girl. You, you were talking about Twitter girl. Oh yeah, just like that. Be like, I just everything is a distraction. Is essentially my point. Okay. All right, fair enough. But are you are you more or less excited? Like, are you are you at? Oh any- yeah, no, I'm more excited. Yeah, yeah, definitely right. more excited. Um, about the return for basketball because you have conversations like this and you're just like, well, I want to see what a Raptors-Bucks series looks like because I've, you know, thought about it for so long. Okay, let's see what it looks like. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so I think all of it has made me more excited for for the return. Brad, same thing here? I was like, I was like, when it was coming back, I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not really like, because I know you and I had talked like off, off air, obviously, about how we were like, this is kind of dumb. I don't want the I don't want basketball to come back. I think, like, especially in Florida, how ridiculous it's been. Yeah. And all the social justice, at, and the social justice aspect as well. And then you saw videos like Toby and Boban posting the videos of each other and then all the fun stuff like Ben Simmons catching a fish, Chris Paul and Shea and Dar- Darius Baisley playing cornhole together. And I'm like, all right, this is kind of fun. I like this. I'm, I'm getting more excited because I miss basketball. I miss sports in general. So I'm definitely more excited, but I am hoping that, like, once the once the the shine of like the bubble wears off, that they're going to focus hopefully more so on the social justice stuff than playing yeah. formal and catching fish. Yeah, and hopefully we can actually get to games because obviously with the players testing positive, you, you just don't know. And at least it's not the MLS. Yeah, yeah. At least it's not the MLS. Although the MLS is sharing a campus with them, yeah. right? They're, they're in the same area, which is just scary, scary, man. I don't know how they're doing. Two teams it so badly. Sorry, what? I was just saying, how have they bungled it so badly? Like, how are there already, like, teams leaving and just – it's so early for something like that. You would think they'd get, you know, a little bit a little bit they, of a longer run. They they skipped any and all precautions that the NBA took. Like, the NBA, they're, they're doing tests four weeks before games even start, and then yeah. they had a whole quarantine protocol. Oh, they just the MLS, rushed it. The MLS just skipped all that. They just said, yeah. all right, you're negative. All right, get back on the, on the field. You're good. So well, they, they had to push back like a Toronto FC game, yeah, like yesterday because a team like two guys tested, but like, well, I, it ended up the uh, TFC player did not test positive, tested negative, but it was inconclusive at the time. Mm-hmm. And then a guy in BC tested positive as well, so they had to push back the game. So guys are still being are still testing positive, like while games are being played and like the day of games. It's just it's insane to me how they're like, how they're mishandling this. And they, they had, for the for the Black Lives Matter ceremony that they had, they had 200 players all on the field at yeah. the same time. I mean, I understand how the important it is, but still. So, like, were these players then not properly tested prior to going to Orlando if they're testing positive right before a game? Or yeah. did they contract it in their campus and now they're testing? But, like, those are, like, two – for one, they both pointing uh, a management that's incompetent. But like, which one? Like, because both of those are insane. But I would think 
if players were fine going in and then once testing started happening in Orlando, they started testing positive, the NBA should be very scared. Yes, Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And, um, you know, today, just recently, there's been a lot of support uh, in terms of the players saying that the NBA is doing a great job. Like, J.J. Mm-hmm. Barea and uh, and J.J. Reddick, funny. Oh, Lowry said it too, didn't he? Yeah, Myers Leonard, Myers Leonard said it as well. Yeah, so a lot of players are saying that the NBA is doing its job in terms of safety precautions and protocols. So, I mean, hopefully nothing happens. It's just that it's a virus, man. You can't you can't control it as well as it spreads, right? But when I was I was listening to the Hoop Collective today, uh, I, I I didn't know that they were doing. I knew about the rings they had, but I didn't know they had like sensors as well. Mm-hmm. So like. If you get too close to a player, like your sensor goes off. I did not know they had them. Like oh, yeah. it's supposed to go off, like, like if you're like get within six feet of somebody, like not while you're playing, obviously, but like on the sidelines, like while you're waiting. I had no idea they had that. I was listening to the to the first bit of the Windy Pod too, and and what kind of confused me, and I imagine confuses a lot of players, is that they go on the basketball court, they go practice, and in that practice they can contact, they're close, they can pass off the ball. Like, they're, they're, not, they're obviously closer than six feet with one another. And as soon as they get off the court, they have separate okay, chairs. Back up. Yeah, back oh, yeah. up. Which is like – And you have, to stay, you have to sit in the same chair every time. Right. But like, you're allowed to be in the – and, like, they're cleaning the ball, but then when you're on the court, they're passing the ball around, it doesn't matter. Right. So, what kind of – like, that's kind of contradictory, man. Yeah, it's yeah. so weird how they're doing it. Who would – which team would win a championship with those six feet detectors on? Like if every player had to have that on, which team would win? Oh, okay. All right. Let's see. So they'd have to be a good shooting team, obviously. A good shooting team. And they can be like, which, which team has the best shooters and is pretty crap defensively. Cause it, you, your defense doesn't necessarily matter. So you yeah, kind yeah, of benefit. Well, the, it has to be from the 22 teams. <laughs> I was going to say, would this be like a great, like math? Oh. Like, <laughs> Ah, uh, maybe the Rockets. Yeah, the Rockets because yeah. it just James Harden. Well, James Harden gets already like already has his six feet for a step back. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> he True. just shoot the whole game. He doesn't need to step back anymore. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the Rockets. I could see like the Clippers are decent. You know, they could they could probably shoot if someone's six feet away from them, right? Yeah. He can get really hot for a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely not the Heat. Well, like I mean, unless unless they get really hot. Yeah. Duncan Robinson getting hot. Tyler yeah, Hero, exactly. you're done. True, true. That would be a game where, like, Bam just has to sit for entirety. It's like, yeah, we know you're an all-star, but you're not useful right now. Yeah, and Jimmy Butler has to play, like, center or something it, just to not shoot the ball, you know? Jimmy would... Butler just has, like, like mean faces at the opposition, and that's his defense. It would be great for every Milwaukee bucket except for Giannis. Yeah. Every bucket <laughs> yeah, space except that Giannis wouldn't need it. Uh, they'd have to they'd have to remove the goaltending rule, so then Giannis can just you know swap the balls out as they come. Yeah, that's just true. broken Giannis can just yeah. stand there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, Mon. I don't know. I have no idea who would win. This is interesting. I'm going. Ro- I'm going Rockets. Yeah, I think Rockets too. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, guys, any last thoughts before we head out? Nada. No chip. No. All right, cool, 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 cool. Um, you guys can always check out Iman on the Dishes and Dimes pod, a great, great podcast, which I listen to all the time. Uh, thank you very much thank for dropping it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you can check out Bradshaw and I at the Shoot Your Shot podcast. You can give us a five-star rating if you don't mind on Apple Pods. 
And um, yeah, thank you very much for listening, guys. Hopefully we'll have uh, more content, more breakdowns, more uh, basketball breakdowns for specific teams. We've got a couple of other people coming that could uh, could potentially be a lot of fun. So we'll see you guys for those pods as well. Take care.